The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We've heard a lot about startups in Kansas City. We've heard a lot about startups across the country. And today, our guest, Bo Fishback, who is the founder and CEO of Zarly, has really been uh, kind of coastal and Midwest with the with yeah. the company. And he's here today to talk about that. Welcome to the show today, Thanks Bo. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. So let's just get this out of the way first. For anybody who's been under a rock for the last few years and doesn't know what Zarly is, tell us what Zarly is. Yeah, I wouldn't say they've been under a rock. Our business has changed quite a lot in the last three it years. Has. So what, it has. what Zarly is is um, we're a local services marketplace um, who is really testing everything that we think we know about how to build this kind of company in Kansas City, um, where we have basically gone out and handpicked, reference-checked, interviewed, and kind of monitor and help manage some of the best local service providers in Kansas City. So that's everything from house cleaners to lawn care, carpenters, plumbers, handymen. Um, It is a sector of the economy that is um, really unique in that – Price and quality are not at all related to each other today in this part true. of the economy. Right. And it's actually one of the very few remaining parts of the economy in the developed world where that is true. And it's because, quite frankly, no one has been able to establish uh, a quality bar and build a marketplace to create some transparency around it. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to um, give give homeowners, really, certainty mm-hmm. around the fact that when they hire somebody on our platform, they will have a great experience every single time. And if they don't, we will make it right and it will not happen to anyone else again. Yeah, now you mentioned that this has been um, a work in progress, that it's changed quite a bit. How did Zarly start? What was its focus when you first yeah, launched it? I, it's a startup, right? And so that mm-hmm. happens. Sure. Um, it's a, um, we, we started in the world of local services actually with a very similar charge for the problem we were trying to solve. We knew that part of the economy was very broken, mm-hmm. um, and, and it um, creates a lot of friction in a lot of people's lives. Uh, where we really started was with an wide open marketplace where any sort of service provider was permitted and that even opened the door to people who were selling products and things it was this marketplace that was inherently local but where kind of anything goes mm-hmm. it was it was kind of the wild west of a local marketplace and what we learned very quickly actually we launched a product you know we were very fortunate to um, raise a lot of capital and get some pretty great people involved with the company early on to give us a shot to learn and iterate and learn and iterate. And um, what we learned, quite frankly, was that uh, marketplaces thrive when there is certainty, trust, and quality in yes. the marketplace. And as we started to understand those levers and pull them, uh, what really happened was this massive Wild West marketplace became more focused and more focused and more focused to the point where um, – well, um, we had a board meeting yesterday, and so I really feel like this more than ever right now, but we really understand our business mm-hmm. and what it takes to um, both prove the model and then hopefully take that model to scale, and that is actually kind of what we're in the midst of right now is um, we're really happy with how it's gone in Kansas City this year, and so we're starting to package up everything we've learned and, and see what it looks like to um, roll that out somewhere else mm-hmm. and see if see if we're as smart as we hope we are. <laughs> and so, uh, obviously, very localized and how do you 
find the people or do they find you who want to be listed there? Not people, but the companies. How do you, and how do you uh-huh. vet them? Because that has yeah. to be. I mean, you're putting your name. We vetted this. How yeah, you, we and we guarantee it with a ten thousand dollar guarantee. So if anything goes wrong, we literally the first thing we do is pay back the homeowner and then figure out what to do on the other end of that. I mean, we're very very aggressive about making sure that that quality really is delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those ways you mentioned actually happen, right? Like we get references from homeowners who've who've hired someone on Zarly and had a great experience, and they say, oh, and I have this other person that you should meet who's also amazing. Like they should be a part of this community. Um, we call them, you know, our service providers who actually provide service. Like very frequently we find that they're a part of networks where, you know, a plumber has to know an electrician and they have to right. know a carpenter. Mm-hmm. And those guys, um, it's actually really interesting. Usually when we work with them for a little while and at first they're like, hey, is this like, you know, is this like Angie's List or is this like a Legion that, that site or is this like Craigslist yeah. or is this, is this something, is, do I know something like this? And what we found is it doesn't take us very long now in the first 30 or 60 days they really start to realize that, well, we're building something quite different and special. And then all of a sudden we start to get introduced to all their friends. And they're like, hey, I've been doing this for 25 years. This is the best guy in town. You should give him a call. Mm. Um, And those those kind of, it's a a largely referral-driven network. Um, That said, we do have organic submissions that just come through. They hear about Mm -hmm. us on the radio or something like that. Right. And they apply. Um, We uh, kind of treat everybody the same coming in the door, which is... um, uh, you're 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 guilty until proven innocent. I guess I don't know. It's, uh, no, um, yeah, because we, you have to vet them. Yeah, and and you know it's one of the things that we found that um, homeowners do not have time to do. Right, like there's so much trust in what your neighbor says or your dad says or your friend says. Um, but the real friction in the space is that there's so much variability. So one mm-hmm. person might have a great experience and someone else might have a terrible experience given the mm-hmm. um, with different circumstances. So um, we are um, really. Um, we really bet big on talking with past customers. And so, you know, what started as, hey, we'd love to talk to a a couple of your old customers has turned into, um, we want the list of all of your customers and we'll call them um, kind of at will to make sure that we get that kind of consistent Mm -hmm. message. Um, That is is the big lever for us. We do all the normal stuff and check Better Business Bureau and all that, Yelp reviews and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, like those things are all very, very easily gamed. And what we're trying to build is a system that you cannot game because it is rock solid every single time. Yeah. Well, and speaking of Yelp, you are not one that removes all these negative reviews. Uh, not that no, you get any, no, but I mean, no. I know that's one of the things you promise you yeah. won't do. Well, you know, it's interesting. Like what we found is that if you get negative reviews on our platform, you don't last. So you don't actually find a lot of negative reviews there, but it's right. not because there have never been any. It's because if um, we kind of have a one strike intervention policy. Uh Um, We do have like a, hey, we're going to put you in timeout, maybe take you out of the existing marketplace, (laughs) let you work with clients that you have, but not not bring any new ones on. Um, And then assuming you can kind of demonstrate like you're on the right path, um, you know, there is is a time where it makes sense to to include some people back in the marketplace. But also like... um, you know, quite frankly, like this is not for everybody, right? Like people who want to do high volume, low quality, who don't invest in a long-term relationship with right. their customers um, are not a good fit for our platform. Mm-hmm. And you actually said something earlier that made me think of it. Like um, the the distinction is um, uh, that while you do hire small businesses on Zarly, everything leads with the person and the person who is on the other side of that transaction, the service writer is actually the proprietor of the business. So yeah. some of them are one person companies, some of them are two person companies, some of them mm-hmm. are 10 person companies. But at the end of the day, your relationship is with that proprietor. And we really pride ourselves on that model because that is where the accountability and the responsibility of a small business owner really um, can guarantee that uh, they're invested in it for the long term. And so that really matters to us. Absolutely. Is there a cost to the companies or these proprietors to be on your yeah, platform? Yeah. So we're, we are a true marketplace. Actually, we're 
we're the only true marketplace that does anything like we do, um, which I never know if that's either, either that means we're not very smart or it means we're smart and we're not sure yet. Well, it seems, I, I don't mean to belittle, <laughs> it seems like a fairly simple, straightforward concept. You would and, think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's a, it is a marketplace in that we take a transaction fee. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is free to sign up. It's free for buyers to go and browse. It is free for them to hire. Uh, essentially, our costs come out of the seller side and they treat us as a cost of goods sold or, mm-hmm. a, or a marketing expense because right. we run their digital ads. We SEO optimize their page. We handle all of their payments. And we do some nice things for them that they could never do before, like um, buyers pay with a credit card on our platform mm-hmm. and sellers basically have 24 hours receivable. So instead of sending an invoice to somebody and waiting 30 days or 60 days, whenever they pay the bill to get paid. Um, after the job is done, we send a note that's like, hey, are you happy with everything? Uh, your payment's going to go through tomorrow. If not, tell us. We'll stop it, all that kind of stuff. So we escrow the money internally to make sure that everybody has a great experience. Um, but uh, but then every time a dollar is paid out to the seller, we take a transaction fee off of that, and that's how that's mm-hmm. how we hope to build a big business. Yeah. How many providers do you have right now? Do you have a ballpark? Uh, Less than a hundred and maybe around fifty in Kansas City, mm-hmm. um, of which of fifty that are in the marketplace today. There's maybe another twenty that are either just kind of getting ramped on, or you know we've we've found it's actually a really interesting part of this business that it doesn't take a lot of demand to really outstrip what some of our service providers I can bet. keep that quality with. Yeah. And so, um, so we have that conversation um, very often with them and. Uh, we pretty regularly get the, hey, this has been amazing. I can't take any more right now. Like, right. give me a minute. I need to go hire. I need to go train. <laughs> sure. I want to make sure that I can kind of continue to deliver that quality. Mm-hmm. And so we have some people who are kind of just working with existing customers who will come back in as they get ready to scale. Um, you know, for, for what it's worth, we're um, we're in the process right now planning to launch our next market. And um, we think that we can do a really, really strong launch with between 35 and 50 um, mm-hmm. great service providers across yeah. about, 20 categories. Yeah. And you're focusing on focusing on home services. Have you ever thought about expanding <laughs> that out to other yeah, yeah. areas? Oh boy, do we think about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that for us, um, the home services market that we're in right now is one very quality sensitive, mm-hmm. um, which is a great fit for what we can deliver. Uh, two, it's massive. It's really, really massive. And so yeah. Um, I don't feel like we need to go and pursue bigger parts of the market if we can really stay honed in on the kind of value proposition, really, that we've mm-hmm. built our business around. That said, you know, there's two ways to grow this business, and you know, our um, let's say our ambitions are not small. Like this is not this is not intended to be a small business if we get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you can add cities, and yep. you can add categories and services and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're going to first go make sure we really understand the local model and how it works and um, uh, we have learned so much in Kansas City and will continue to learn so much in Kansas City that we want to see how relevant that is to kind of package up in another market. And then at some point, yeah, we'll start to add services. I think it will be pretty based around home services because there's a lot to do there um, for the foreseeable future, though. Yeah, well, home services is a very broad category. And for people who are listening and they hear home services, okay, does that mean somebody <laughs> that can come and strip out my old paneling and put yep. in something more modern? Or does that mean somebody that can go around and uh, clean up my yard? Yeah, it's we, all do, of it? we okay. do everything from like weekly house cleaning services ah. and lawn care, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. like the stuff where you really hope to have a long-term relationship with somebody who right. you can trust with your keys mm-hmm. to come in. I mean, our situation is, right, a three-year-old and a nine-month-old. And when it's nap time, like they know to be quiet and not go in those rooms sure. until the kids are up. Like um, it is, it is the people who you can really trust to be in and around your house, hopefully for a very long time, all the way up to 
you want to redo your kitchen or redo your bathroom. We have very, very talented carpenters, um, plumbers. We have the best plumbers in all of Kansas City. I mean, it's like like those those are the areas where we really thrive. When we get back, I want to talk about your growth. You started out in 2011, and you're only just you're just a three year old company. It's I mean that that's not that <laughs> long of a history yet. You talk about how you have evolved as a small business yeah. when you talk. Sometimes you have three distinct phases during those three years. When we get back, I want to talk about those. You're listening to Smart Companies Radio on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back. On December 11th, nourish your body and your business at the Big Breakfast, a quarterly event spotlighting the entrepreneurs featured on the cover of Thinking Bigger Business magazine. They will share stories from their own companies and advice that you can put to work in your business. Plus, you'll meet the staff of Thinking Bigger Business magazine and learn how you can become involved with the only publication in Kansas City that exclusively serves growth-minded small businesses. Again, that's December 11th. Register at IThinkBigger.com. That's IThinkBigger.com. Profile America, Friday, November 14th. The often impressive or alarming appearing swings in the New York Stock Exchange must be kept in perspective. In the long run, the market has made steady advances. Recently, closing over 17,000, it was on this date 42 years ago that the Dow Jones Industrial Average first topped the 1,000 level. Developed by Charles Henry Dow, the index was first published in 1896 with a mark of 40.94. For decades, the index contained mostly stocks in the manufacturing sector. Today, its components reflect a more diverse economy. In 1990, 157 million shares were traded on an average day, now that figure is 670 million. To help Americans pick their stocks and mutual funds, there are some 15,500 investment advising establishments in the U.S. employing nearly 96,000 people. Profile America is in its 18th year as a public service of the U.S. Census Bureau. It's the smartest party of the year. Thinking Bigger Business Media will turn a spotlight on some of the city's most innovative and forward-thinking entrepreneurs with its annual Smart Companies to Watch Party Thursday, December 4th from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. at the Downtown Marriott Hotel. Hors d'oeuvres, including a carving station, and drinks will be served. Sign up for this year's party today at IThinkBigger.com. That's Thinking Bigger Business Media's annual Smart Companies to Watch Party, December 4th. Register at IThinkBigger.com today. Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're talking here today with Bo Fishback. He's the founder and CEO of Zarly, which is an online marketplace for high-quality and vetted home service providers in the Kansas City, Missouri area. And he was talking with us earlier about uh, the way they vet and, and how they have to be so careful about who is on this platform uh, they get one one strike mm-hmm. if uh, they start getting complaints. They get one strike to kind of go into timeout, as Bo said, and get things fixed. But uh, Bo, we were talking a little bit earlier about how you don't want this to stay a small business. You want it to be big. How big do you want it to get? Oh man, big. Uh-huh. Big to really big, if we could do it right. I think um, <laughs> he's, he's a really tall uh, guy, so his perspective of big is already big. Yeah, you, you know, I think. Um, I mean, I'm a I'm an enormous lover of small business. I mean, our entire platform is built to help small business who hopes to basically 
in the grand scheme of things, stay relatively small and deliver great Mm -hmm. quality. Our business is not one where that is even an option, quite honestly, because of how we finance the business, because of how we started it. Um, uh, It is one, not an option for us, but it is also was chosen to not be an option by me kind of out of the gate. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, my previous job, I was the head of entrepreneurship at the Kauffman Foundation here in town. And um, uh, I I think that um, my appreciation for how small businesses work and how you can build something that can scale kind of on top of that. Um, I maybe just have a little bit of a unique perspective because I've seen so much of it. And mm-hmm. I think that it's a, it is a huge opportunity that nobody has taken advantage of right now. Um, in the last three years, it's turned out that I'm not the only one who thinks that. Our space has gotten very, very crowded. There have yeah. been uh, hundreds of millions to billions of dollars invested in companies who are kind of trying to solve the same problem as us. And so um, it's going to most likely be one or two big winners and no one else is going to make it. And so you kind of got to go big if that's the kind of market you're in. So you're talking about an eBay-sized platform, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I we set out from day one to build something, um, maybe learning a lot from what eBay did, so much to the point that, you know, when we built the list of the three people in the world who we would most like to get involved with our company, Meg Whitman, who built eBay, was number one on that list, and she's on our board now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were, I mean, we had her on our board in the first 90 days of our existence, and so she's been here for the whole ride, yeah. and I was actually with her yesterday at HP, where she's the CEO now. And it has been just invaluable to learn from her, um, both eBay perspective as well as Procter and Gamble and Hewlett Packard. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's just a um, she's an amazing, amazing person. If you're in my shoes, to learn from. Yeah, to be able to get that kind of a buy-in, she must have seen something uh, that you, you she thought you were doing right or were going to do right. But how how does one? I still want to ask you about your three years and how you've evolved as a small business. But before I get to that. How do you even get something like this off the ground right now for the last few years? As a matter of fact, as I said earlier, tech startups are really hot right now. Yeah. And how do you even get to the point where you are with the kind of capital that you've gotten, with the Mm -hmm. kind of connections to a Meg Whitman? You don't have a lot of time to get your ducks in a row when you're you're shooting out of the gate. Yeah, it's interesting. You You know, it – I believe pretty deeply that startups, especially in this world that that we work in, are um, as unique as the people who go and build them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is there is not one path. I guess our path was particularly unique, and some of it was just driven by good timing. Um, we actually came out of a startup weekend, which is like a weekend yeah. hackathon, and like that is not a place you go to build and launch a company. I did not go there to build and launch a company, <laughs> but um, when you hit a nerve that you can really see that there's one, a big problem, and two, an appetite to solve it from um, a lot of people, um, you can either choose to ignore that or go, and mm-hmm. we chose go pretty aggressively. And so, um, you know, on the heels of that, uh, just a, a lot of what happened was because of people who we'd known and worked with in the past, and I'd I'd um I'd worked with a lot of great people in the startup world who um, believed in me enough to basically invest blindly to help us get going, and um, the first few versions of what we built was impressive enough that um you know we were able to you know do do a pretty big capital raise and get somebody like Meg involved. I remember mm-hmm. the first time I ever met Meg. I remember we were ten minutes into the conversation, and she said, "Oh." I've got chills because I've seen this story before, like referencing eBay. And uh uh, you never know if that's right or not. But God, if you're in my shoes, that makes you feel good about kind of like what you're working on. And, um, you know, frankly, it's a massive, massive market that is very, very broken. Someone is going to fix it, whether it's us or someone else. And so if those forces kind of come together um, in any way, you've got a shot to really get it off the ground. 
our particular case was kind of the perfect storm and um, hopefully we can we can really turn it into something special. That's a really nice segue into the question that I said we would come back with, and that is you've been in business since 2011, and you've already defined three distinct growth phases that you've gone through. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. the first one you said it was the hyperlocal real-time meta marketplace. Yep. What do you mean by that? Um, it was a it was a um, it was closer to Craigslist than mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. than it was to the Zarly today, but it was with the lens of um, very buyer driven. So if you wanted something, you could go to Zarly, you could post it. People who wanted to make money could look at those posts. It's basically a very very updated mobile version of like uh, fancy classified ads or something sure. like that, right? Mm-hmm. And so. Um, we knew when we launched that that there was a high probability that that market was not going to take, but we also knew that if we could catalyze enough supply and demand to come together, it would teach us about what people wanted to buy, which we yeah. thought would be an insight into what was most broken, mm-hmm. which kind of turned out to be right. Actually, mm-hmm. um, it felt much messier than that in the process, but in hindsight, um, there's a very sane reason why we kind of like went mm-hmm. down the path we did, and it's because what we learned from each version taught us what the next version should be. And then the trick was to just go fast enough um, and not fall too in love with something that wasn't quite performing the way you wanted to perform. So uh, long story short, we learned very quickly in about six months, just by very closely watching the metrics, that where we were most proud of our business was where we delivered really high quality experiences. And so we started to walk down the path of how would we provide more of those experiences. And so we started cherry picking the best people out uh-huh. of that first marketplace who had repeat buyers, who people sent us thank you notes after they hired them. And we kind of called them and said, hey, what could we do to help you turn this into something yeah. more, which which was the birth of storefronts, which is essentially what Zarly looks like today, but without the home services focus. Mm-hmm. So it was storefronts, but for kind of anything where we could find a very high quality service provider. And this is and phase then, two. Yeah, this was phase mm-hmm. two. And we worked on that for about another six months. And what we learned in that was that, quite frankly, Home services dominated everything else in our marketplace from a performance perspective. And as we started to double down on that sector of the marketplace, it just meant that the product got more refined, the way that we onboarded and reference checks got more defined. And what it came down to is simply prioritization of Mm -hmm. if we're going to over-serve and really deliver an amazing experience um, for that community, uh, it was going to come at the cost of some of the other things we were doing. And so we just kind of pared it down, and that took us really to where we are today. Yeah. And so during each one of these phases, you, you kept tweaking, you kept learning, you kept adapting according to what your customers were telling you. How how often do you reach out into the marketplace and ask these questions? Yeah. How, I mean, what yeah. tools yeah. do you use? Because yeah. that's what you hear all the time is listen to your customers. Yep. How to, and you're having to go fast, too. So how are you doing this? That's my favorite question because we've gotten really, really good at it, actually, and we were terrible <laughs> at it when we started. You can't um, talk about it. <laughs> no, I, uh, I will tell you um, there are a lot of ways to do it. Mm-hmm. We never stop talking to customers, but in the world of the consumer Internet, that's actually very difficult, right? Like you build a product that anybody can come and use. There's not a direct sale. You need the Internet to sell for you. Um, and so on the one hand, there's tools where you can observe that behavior. Um, so there are, there are tools that we use that are – pretty fancy tech tools where we can watch every user and every click and what they do, not at the identified level, like I won't know it's you, uh-huh. but then you can say, hey, did 50% of your users behave in the same way? And if so, why did they behave that way and how could you improve it? On the other hand, what we have really come to lean on and what is quite frankly like our North Star as a company now is Net Promoter Score. And Net Promoter Score is a tool um, that anybody can use actually um, that essentially tells you how happy your customers are. Hmm. And it is as simple in most implementations as on a scale of one to 10, how likely are you to recommend this to a friend for 
uh, nines and tens, they are considered promoters. For, I think, six, sevens, and eights, they're passive. They're probably not going to tell anybody. And for mm-hmm. anybody less than a six, um, they're considered a detractor, even if that just means they're neutral. It's right. a pretty aggressive way to manage it. Um, at this point in our life, uh, we have the best net promoter score of any internet company I've ever seen. We have a higher net promoter score than Apple or Amazon. Good for you. Um, it, it, well, the reason is because it is our guiding light. Like right. It is the thing that when... Um, if anyone has a bad experience, someone on my team is on the phone with them within the next 30 minutes with a what do we need to do to make this amazing for you kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. And um, it probably shocks people that it's a live person calling them. I get the greatest emails from people uh-huh. who are like, I just got off the phone with Jamin or Karen, someone on my team. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh, I've never seen a company run like this yeah. before. And like that, that is the thing that almost all of our activities roll out of is how happy our customers are. And it's um, a lot of people say that, but it's a very different thing to align your company around making that the most important metric. And so um, we've we've really come a long way on that. I'm I'm very very proud of what we built on that front. And for what it's worth, in our board meeting yesterday, Meg, that's one of the slides in the board deck is like our net promoter score for repeat users, our net promoter score for new users. And Meg just like sat on that page for five minutes and was like, "This is amazing! Like mm-hmm. th- this this is the magic that that we need to figure out how to go and scale." Yeah. In the startup community, the other thing that you hear about, you talked about speed, uh, but related to speed, too, is fail fast. If you're not going to make it, fail fast. Uh, Obviously, you're doing some things right. You're tweaking as you go. But how how do you know whether or not to, you know, maybe it's just around the corner, another little tweak could (laughs) could be the the answer. How do you know when to throw the towel in and just say, okay, start over, do something different? probably one of the two hardest things to get right in startups. I mean, essentially, it's what your job is. You know, your Mm -hmm. job is to answer that question well, and how do you know not to give up too early, but how do you know when to make a move? Um, I will say definitely from experience, um, even when you're making what ends up to be the right decision, those are just really, really hard conversations to have. Honestly, the smaller your team is, the easier it is to do it. If you get too big and you're having some of those conversations, yeah. um, they're paralyzing to an organization. Uh, if you've got a uh, if you've got an organization that is really aligned around something like the vision that we want to deliver and making sure that every customer is has an amazing experience along the way, it helps you get there a lot faster. But nobody tells you that when you're first starting a yeah. startup. I mean, it yeah. took us two years to get to the point where we were that well aligned internally, and so that means that every change that we did in those first two years. Um, was way, 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 way harder than it is for us to make changes today, and we just we just had to kind of learn a lot of stuff the hard way, honestly. Mm-hmm. You ha- you've got several speed bumps that you talk about when it comes to startups. Uh, we don't have time to go into all of them, but if you had sure. to pick a couple, what would be the top two that you would tell startups? You know, be aware of these, and, and maybe here's how you can avoid it. Yeah, um, one thing that I would probably tell everybody that is universally true is that you're going to get a lot of advice from a lot of different people and your whole job as the person who's building the company um, is to discard the 99% that's irrelevant and learn from the 1% that's relevant, but it's mm-hmm. really hard to know what's what. Oh, yeah. And spending the time to really um, uh, make the decisions that are kind of true to you and your team are um, worth spending time on. Um in our particular case, we came out of the gate so fast. Like, if I had to go back in time and talk to myself today, my, my today, talk to myself three years ago, I would probably say, like, um, slow down a little bit in those first 90 days. Um, not to put yourself on a slower pace, but to make sure that the foundation that you're building on is really, really solid. Okay. We um, we did a lot, learned fast, made some turns that ended up, I think, being very good for our business. 
but we probably could have gotten there a little faster actually if we would have slowed down. You know, one of the guys who works for me used to be on a used to be a rower, and uh, he always says that. Uh, I think it's actually such great wisdom, and he's like 25, but he says uh, <laughs> uh, slow is smooth, and smooth is fast. And that idea mm-hmm. really escapes startups, I think, when they're first so right. excited about what they're doing. They just take a deep take a deep breath and make sure that the foundation is solid and um you'll get where you're going. Yeah. And and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you slow down, you try you get it right or better uh from the get go, it is gonna save you time in the long run. Hard it, to do though. It, but hard it, to it do. is hard to do. <laughs> well, Bo, it's been wonderful having you here. And if anybody wants to find out more about Zarly, where would they go to do that? Uh Zarly dot com, Z A A R L Y dot com. Google anything like it. Honestly, if you Google house cleaners in Kansas City, I think we're the number one link now. Like you'll you'll you uh we're hard to not find on the internet if you want to find us now. It is very easy to find you. So Zarly.com, Zarly with two A's. By the way, where did the name Zarly come from? Uh, Zarly is a derivation of the word bazaar, like a Middle Eastern bazaar. It was actually mm-hmm. the oldest organized shopping experience that it predates malls. Um, and they were, in the beginning, wholly trust-based, wholly quality-based economies where people came together and you could only thrive there if you were a trusted member of a community. And so we really liked that idea of a bazaar in a way to breathe some life into that and so when we started playing around for what what words were available online, Zarly was like the cute, googly version of a bazaar, and uh, mm-hmm. we took it and ran with it after a 15-minute brainstorm. Fascinating. It works. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at www.ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.